Hey everybody, welcome to episode 97 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Picciuto. How are you doing? Oh, he backed up from the mic, like yeah. six feet to yeah. do that, full volume. You learned that from Aretha Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> and Jimmy Duresta. Hi guys, thanks for having me. What's up? What's going on? Me, personally? I just drove back from Albany, and I was in Albany Steel all morning. It was a rush to get back here to meet you guys in time. So uh, I was just uh, telling David while you are away from the mic, I went to Albany Steel this morning, and I shot a bunch of cool footage of machines and, you know, just general stuff. I was kind of surreptitiously filming, so I couldn't get any real good explicit shots. I didn't even ask because I'm sure they wouldn't have liked it. But they're going to get promoted in my next vlog, and I'm sure they'll like that. So I went into the scrap room and I bought this giant chunk of steel, three inches thick by 10 inches. It's like a big hockey puck. Hmm. I don't know what I'll do with it, but. <laughs> and you, uh, know, you just, just because it was a big piece of metal. It was just cool got? looking. <laughs> it was wow. $35. And when I got back to the house, I knew it was coming. Willie was here to receive it. When I got back to the house, my Tormach 440 was sitting in the driveway in a big crate. And it's still sitting there right now. And it weighs 800 pounds. So got to figure out what i'm going to do but we have we have a couple of ideas so that's that's new and exciting and uh yeah i got to figure out i got to make room for that i on my my tool giveaway maybe maybe if i come up to boston i'll bring since i'm gonna have my truck i'll bring anything that i don't need anymore because i gave away a few tools this morning so i'll bring a bunch of tools with me i'll just go because i'm really trying to clean house to make room for the inevitable move um so I'll bring a bunch of tools with me to just give away to whomever. Maybe we could have a raffle or whatever just to make it easy or make it fair instead of just handing it to whoever's standing in my truck when I pull in the parking lot, which is what I often do. <laughs> uh, but um, So I'm going to see if I could bring some, some, some of my used tools up. I, I put out on the sidewalk this morning, and these are really old, so don't feel like anybody's missed anything, a bunch of uh, a bag of all... Um, Porta cable battery operated tools. They're they're actually ten years old. I thought to myself last night, these are all ten years old. The batteries are ten years old. The charger's ten years old. They still work. Eh? But I was like, you know what? Why, why am I saving these? I just put them on the sidewalk this morning in front of the house, and they were gone in three minutes. There you go. And since Dewalt gave me a brand new table saw that runs by a battery, which is awesome and it's really sturdy and well built, I gave away my old uh, Ryobi ten inch contractor saw. I just put it on the sidewalk. So I'll look for more stuff like that to bring up with me. But I'm cleaning up this week and filming steel places, so it's cool. exciting. David, what about you? Well, just got back from the craft show that we did last weekend, and I had an excellent, fantastic day. And nice. so, yeah, it was it was really good. And then, so this week, uh, I'm really, really excited because the book has been printed the new cutting board book is Sweet. done. I got a um, I got a call from a freight company earlier today saying, "Hey, we have uh, 350 pounds of freight coming your way. Be prepared." So, what's going to happen is they're dropping off all the books tomorrow, and um, one of the uh, um, guys from Springhouse Press, that's the publisher. He's going to be in the area. So he's stopping by on Thursday to pick up the books. So I am going to sign nine cartons of books between now and Thursday morning. And then he's going to take them. Yeah, (laughs) it's going to be. Yeah. So he's going to then take them back to Springhouse Press. And so what we're going to do is 
I'm going to take orders on my website and they're going to take orders on their website and they are going to do all the fulfillment. And so they'll already be signed and they will do all the shipping, which I hate shipping. That's why everybody for the first book, I just sent to Amazon because I did not want to ship books. And so we figured out a good way for me to still take the orders. I actually will make a little bit more profit um, instead of selling on Amazon and they'll all be signed. And uh, so, yeah, really super excited to get these books out there. I'm not super excited of for signing nine cartons of books. How, how many books is that? I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not real sure. <laughs> More than nine? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I thought, okay, while I'm signing these, I wonder if there's, a, if there's a video that I could shoot, some sort of like me telling a story or some sort of vlog to put on the second channel. So I'm going to be rain, I'm going to brainstorm tonight on like how to turn this into something fun and make a video out of it. Do something like Willy Wonka's Golden Ticket. Since the book will be in your <laughs> oh, possession. Oh, yeah. You know, a Put a Golden of... Ticket in five books, and if the people find that Golden Ticket, Dude, they get to come and... I'm totally doing that. Well, the, I'm not going to... They, get, they come get a tour of your chocolate factory. Yeah, yeah, they're not coming to my house, but uh, yeah, I'm totally going to do that. That's an awesome idea. And so, yeah, yeah. Since they're in your possession. <laughs> um, and so I'm probably not going to put out any... Uh, making videos this week i'm not real sure because i also have a lot of website updates to do i want i'm working on sort of like a, a half redesign of the site and plus i'm getting some things up in the store and i have to get the store ready for the books so my my focus and energy is on the website and these books this week wait yeah. so i'm curious about the craft show like hmm. uh you said it went well but how did it go relative to what you were expecting like did you run out of things did you yes uh and so how did it go for kelly because she was selling stuff too right yes Kelly had a yeah. um, an okay day, and I would say I had an excellent day as far as like it's the most I made from any craft show that I've done, and I haven't done like hundreds. It's just I've only done maybe ten, twelve, somewhere around there. And um, the 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 one thing that I wish I would have had like ten times more of is the little laser cut notebooks. Those oh yeah, those are pretty sold so fast. Yeah, hmm. and um. Uh, and then uh, a bunch of little little pencil holders. That's the the notebooks. And then I always sell these little wine displays. It's that thing that goes over top of the wine bottle and the glasses hang on there. I always sell out of those every single time. I had clipboards. I only took four of these clipboards that I made, but I sold out of those pretty quick. One lady bought uh, three clipboards, and they're you know I had them at twenty five dollars a piece, and she bought three of them because she has three kids and she's going to use them to hang their artwork on them oh, and nice. so that gave me the idea of like i should actually make a, uh, a video of like an artwork clipboard hanger type thing so that gave me a, a good idea awesome yeah very cool i'm glad it went well yeah, that's good thanks uh let's see for me i if you can't tell from my voice i've been sick and i think i'm getting over it but it's just obnoxious because it i've actually needed to do voiceover on this week's video for about a week now and I haven't been able to do it because I sound like a frog so uh, hopefully this will go away so that I can finish that video up in time to put it out on Thursday otherwise it might just sound weird not sure um, and then I've been working on let's see the video that's coming out this week is a craft like arts and craft organizer for kids basically I have four kids and so we have tons of colored pencils and markers and scissors and crayons and paper. And just, it's, it just ends up in this giant pile. And so I made a really simple little, um, wooden organizer 
with stuff slots in the front for different types of paper to go in and then trays on the top, like a tray on the top and then little baskets on the top to hold all the different things. And so it works out pretty well. The trick is really just getting my kids to, to keep using it, you know, putting things back where they're supposed to be, but they're getting hang of it. So, um, and then, uh, tonight, actually we're doing the show early because tonight I have to drive to Charleston and I'm doing a, giving a talk at, um, a couple of the makerspaces there are getting together and having like a, a get together about the state of makerspaces in Charleston. And so I'm going to give a little talk there and hang out with them, which will be cool. That isn't the thing we did last year, is it? Or is it, it's it's by the same people. Yeah. It's not the same event, but, but it's not a year later. Is it? When did we do that? Um, it might be. I don't remember when that was exactly. Time is just like completely not stuck I on feel, any pins for me. I'm forgetting everything. I feel like that was in February maybe or something. I don't think it's been a year, but either way. When you're having um, fun. But it's, that's right. But I'm going to Charleston very quickly. Like I'm leaving in the afternoon, coming back late tonight. So unfortunately I won't get to do anything or like won't get to see Izzy or anything. But uh, yeah, doing that. And let's see, update on Boston. Our hotel rooms are gone. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. Okay, so hotel rooms are gone. Um, I did see that somebody returned a ticket today, and one went out yesterday as well. So a few tickets are coming back in, and people snatch them up real quickly. So if you are still looking for a ticket to get in, keep an eye on the website, uh, because sometimes they do show up. You may be able to get one. And I think everything is moving forward pretty well. We're working on a place to get together either Friday or Saturday night. Um, we've got some giveaways to do for the people that are going to be there. We've got a, you know, uh, John Burrard's going to be the MC. We've got several live podcasts. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be super cool. And I think that's all the... Oh, yeah, th- this is... Uh, can I plug something? Please. Do you guys care if I plug something to myself? Um, so... The 21st is the deadline. I have this um, exclusive new shirt that's up on Teespring. So I have a, it's a 10 day only thing. You can only get this shirt for 10 days only through Teespring and you can get it um, in black, red or orange, short sleeve, long sleeve or a hoodie. And we're just doing kind of an experiment to see, you know, like what a limited run shirt would be like. And so if anybody's interested in that, um, I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's also teespring.com slash ILTMS. So if you want to check it out, get it before the 21st, that's when it's gone. Uh, which I guess this show will be like right before that. So I don't know if that'll help anybody, but yeah, that's what I get. What are we talking about today? Uh, I think we're going to talk about a couple different things. You want to start off with uh, thing number one or thing number two? Thing number one. All right. I don't know what that is, but let's start with thing number one. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the legality and responsibility. This was brought up by a couple different people on Twitter last week when we said, "Hey, what should we talk about?" And um, and this is going to be very broad. Like when I say the legality of what we do, it's like when you try to do what we do on camera, and also of like when. We sell something and the potential of somebody hurting themselves. And uh, I know Jimmy has some thoughts on this. So I kind of want to throw it your way first, Jimmy, to see what you have to say. 
Well, it's funny. I, my, I've been in the product business for many years, and I, well, I used to have to have product liability insurance when I used to manufacture toys. But my partners, who are my brother and my friend Wayne, Wayne used to deal with that, and we had a lawyer who would handle a lot of it. Wayne would facilitate it. Uh, so recently, I saw Wayne, and I told him what I was doing. It's been almost 20 years since we had a business together. And he, I told him about the ice picks, and he goes, you don't have product liability insurance? I was like, well, I, don't, I honestly, I don't know if I need it because it's just a piece of steel. Everyone knows, you know, I don't know. I, it's it's almost like a piece of art and less like a, a real tool. So he kind of got me a little neurotic about that. And uh, so I should look into that. This honestly, I mean, I'm thinking about that right now on the air. But I, I mean, I said no. He's like, oh, you should. But, you know, he's also a nervous Nelly. He always worried about a lot of things. So... That's why sometimes I just avoid people that are nervous so they don't make me nervous. So that's probably the solution is just not to talk to him again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was a joke. I had nobody <laughs> make Jimmy nervous. Yeah. It's funny. Like back in the day when I was like being harassed by debt collectors every single day, I just stopped getting the mail and I stopped answering the phone and that seemed to take care of all my problems. Everything got better. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. So that, that's kind of half a joke, but, uh, I do have to consider it. Uh, you know, now I'm making this hatchet, and that's going to be something that's going to be probably a little bit more physically, uh, you know, abused. And I'm looking at some manufacturing processes, and uh, the one they showed me recently, I was like, I really don't think that's going to do because this thing's going to actually be used by some people, I'm sure. And so I've been talking to a couple people, even Tom, Tom from Tom's Tool Room, you know, about the strength, and he said nothing stronger than cutting it from a block, which would also make it very expensive. But then again, if I only made a few of them, people might buy them. So I'm looking into, you know, making sure things work well and, and don't have any problems um, as far as my own products. But when I build something for somebody's house, people always ask me if I have insurance. And I used to have insurance, but it's just almost prohibitive. It's like so cost prohibitive. It's like if you get a job and you're going to build somebody a dresser that's just going to sit in their house. And to deliver it to the building, just to go through the doorman's, you know, the, the service entrance, you need to have $2 million of product liability or liability insurance, not product liability, but liability insurance, just to walk into the building. And then when I try and get like, for instance, I need to get it for like a five month period. It's like thousands of dollars. I'm like, it's almost, it's almost not even worth it. It's like, I, sometimes I'll build something and I'll just say, you come and get it. If you know, this way you're the tenant, you could move into your own house with your own furniture. So if I deliver it, you know, it becomes so complicated. Um, one way I've, I've, able, I've been able to, uh, to get around that is I hire movers that have the, li- they have the liability coverage. So a lot of the buildings in the city, just to literally walk in there with a bag of tools. Like if I walk into the front desk and I say, I'm here to see my friend so-and-so, they go, oh, go right up the elevator. If I say, I'm here to see so-and-so apartment, why do you have tools? Oh, got to go in the elevator. You have insurance? You, have, you know, it's like, so it's kind of like hmm. a kind of play it by ear kind of thing. But I haven't had insurance in years just because it's just so expensive. And, you know, it's they want to know everything. Like we had insurance when we did the TV show down in the basement. A guy came and looked around and he said, this clean this corner up, fix this step. Like he went around and it's just, it, it's annoying. It's just, it's, I know it's, it's a, it's a necessary evil in certain circumstances, but now that my life has been kind of more isolated with YouTube and that kind of stuff, I don't worry about those things as much. And there have been times where I, I actually had my friend, because he trusts me that I'm going to do the right thing, submit his insurance form to a certain building if I'm going to work inside that building, because my friend has a huge company. And so he'll submit the form. 
he'll like call his girl and say, put Jimmy's name on this for the next two weeks. And mm. because he has such a, he buys so much insurance or whatever, he has it so often, they'll just put my name and the address of the building on, you know, certain thing for a certain time. I haven't had to use that in a while, but that is always like a, a fallback position if the job is so profitable and I know that I need to do this. I'll call in that favor, mm. but I don't have any of that now, and I'm happy because I don't have the stress of also having to go to these places. And like, whenever we do, whenever Dave and I have done it, or whenever Willie and I have done it, it's like a orchestrated event. It's like we have to get at park in the street at a certain time, and you know, get in the building in a certain time. If you got to get there before lunch because they lock the elevator, if it's a service elevator, this. So, I'm happy, and my life is just making stupid things and filming it now <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet the volume of that work has a lot to do with whether it's cost prohibitive though you know i mean yeah like in, in your true. case you're doing it on occasion so it's cheaper to pay those guys to come and you know that's take right. advantage of their insurance that's but, why my buddy has like he, you know he's doing million dollar apartments yeah he's got three if you're teams doing it on, on a weekly basis or something the insurance would be far cheaper i'm sure yeah. hmm uh, i wonder if um there's any sort of I don't, I don't know if not, not union that's not the right word but like cooperative that you could be a part of as a builder or as someone who installs something because I, I'm thinking from like a design freelance designer perspective at one point there was this um, time where a bunch of these co-ops came up where you could join the co-op and being part of the co-op would give you a cheaper way to get health insurance or to get whatever insurance that you needed. And they were doing that by volume. You know, you have enough people as part of this co-op, then you can, that co-op can apply for the insurance and you're part of the group discount. I wonder if there's something like that for, you know, craftsmen or, mm-hmm. I don't know. If anybody has any ideas on that that's listening. Well, there is the freelance really good information. which I've never been a part of. But Do you, I know is, that, is that only cover a certain type of work or is that... Uh, well, the freelancers union people? is like a union of freelancers, uh, as the name suggests, but... You can buy health insurance through that. I have a friend that that was involved with, and she asked me, and I just said, "I'm just taking my chances day at a time." Thanks. <laughs> that is risky. I mean, I I'm with you on the cost, but you know there is a certain level of risk there. Um, yeah, <clears throat> but like I said, now know. now I've extracted myself from you know uh, I've extracted myself from being involved with a lot of this type of work. But when I was in a situation where like it was like, I worked for this, this restaurant organization and they were just like uh, every day. It's like, we need this. We need a shelf here. We need tables. We need this. And, and I was always very nervous because they never asked for insurance and they didn't seem to care whether I had it or not. They just know that I could do it. And if I was building shelves or things where public people would be, I made sure that I overbuilt it. You know, I wanted to make sure that there wouldn't be, any problems and you know so i would always go back and check and you know week couple weeks later i go back and check and make sure and I, I tell this story i don't know if i told it on this on this show but dave and i put this shelf up big wooden beam with these steel brackets behind it and it was very strong but when we went back to look at the restaurant just we happened to be nearby and checked it out they had five and ten gallon jugs of of liquor like <laughs> infused vodka so they had the jug probably weighed three or 400 pounds uh, filled mm. like, you know, a 30 inch high <clears throat> jug that's with a mouth that's 20 inches wide filled with vodka and fruit. And I said, I, I panicked immediately. I was like, you didn't tell me you were going to put that up there. She's like, well, I just, I don't know. We changed our mind. I ran like that afternoon. I came back and put steel brackets underneath it. 
like mm-hmm. extra brackets on top. Because, I mean, I go, how long has that been there? She's like, I don't know, two weeks. And nothing was deflecting, but, you know, it was over, like, people are eating. We're there at lunchtime, and there's people eating, and there's, like, a 300-pound jug of vodka over their head. On a wow. shelf, the, the shelf is, is was about 15 inches deep, and the, the jug of vodka was, like, 18 inches deep. So, there's, like, a three-inch piece of glass hanging out over the edge. Hmm. So, we went and and made, Dave and I went and made brackets and put that in place right there and then. Um, so like I said, that was, and that was a circumstance where like, what if that would have happened? I don't know what, what would have been my recourse? You know, the person who would have been injured in that circumstance would have wanted to find out who I was, of course, you know, who put this up, they would have sued the restaurant. I mean, I would, I don't know what would have happened, but you know, thankfully that, that was the only thing that wasn't even an issue, but that was just something that really worried me when I saw it for the very first time, but I rectified it. But if the jar of giant vodka fell on somebody and the shelf didn't fall, that probably would have just been on the restaurant. Hmm. Hmm. So, Bob, you use a lot of sharp, fancy tools. Do you worry about teaching people to hurt themselves? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I honestly don't. I... um, So, I'm, I'm usually pretty specific about why I say what I say mm-hmm. and it may not matter to, you know, anybody else, but at least my intention is to, to say things in a certain way to not come off as something I'm not. So, um, if you notice in my videos, I never say you should do this or, uh, this is, I try not to say like, this is how you do whatever I'm, I'm trying to chronicle what I do. And so I always talk about what I did in the past tense mm. And so I'm, I'm not generally trying to suggest that someone do the same thing. And I know that's semantics and maybe that wouldn't fly, you know, if somebody did get hurt. I don't know. But that's just like my intention is to just chronicle what I'm doing um, so that people can pick up things from it, you know. And I can't control whether they try to replicate it or not. Um, but I, I, honestly, I've just never really been that worried about it. Um, because never, I think, really I think there's like, I think there's like a line of, of like common sense. Like if you're going to... Yeah. You know, I'm not claiming to be certified in any particular field or any skill set or anything. And so if someone were to take my advice or take my example and do something by it, I mean, that's like me just finding a random person on the street that may or may not know what they're doing and me just trying to mimic them. That's on me, really. You know, that's not it could be a crazy person. It's not their fault that they're crazy. It's my fault for following a crazy person. So I don't know. Yeah, I am crazy. I, I mean, I think there is definitely like potential for any of us to get, you know, somebody to come after us with legal recourse. But I also don't think that there's any way we could 100% safeguard ourselves from that. Insurance is a really smart thing to have. It's a good fallback. Um, I think like the bare minimum that you can do is to create an LLC. And I see a lot of people... And that only goes so far, but I see a lot of people ask, you know, if they're starting a, a woodworking business or whatever, like, should I just do it in my name as a personal thing or should I create a, a corporation or a you know, sole proprietorship? And I don't think any of those are right or wrong, but the reason an LLC is in place, that's what it is, is limited liability company. The idea is there that the limitation, the liability stops to a degree <laughs> at the corporation. It's not like, you know, you can do whatever you want behind this LLC and you're never going to get in trouble for it. It's not that. But it is a, it's put in place to stop the liability from someone being able to take like your house. 
the idea is that they could take everything that that LLC owns, worst case. Now, that's not practically always what the deal is going to be, but that's the, you know, that's the intention. So in my mind, that's like the bare minimum that you could do to try to safeguard yourself and just try to stop, you know, from you losing everything that you have if somebody did come after you. Now, part of that means that you also have to do everything you do under that LLC. Because if you do it under your personal, you know, if you buy tools under your personal accounts, um, maybe that would be weird if somebody came after you. I, I don't know. I don't know all the details, but um, also the LLC and all the other legal stuff is per state. So you really have to look at what protections you have with the LLC or with any other company or you know corporation or even insurance. That stuff is all by state. So you have to be really aware of like how your state handles that stuff. Hmm. What about is you, anybody, David? Are I mean, you guys aware of anybody having insurance as a YouTuber to protect themselves against somebody coming after them? I don't think that's even possible. No, not I mean, an insurance possible. company will sell you a policy that they'll never cash in on, but I mean, is, <laughs> it, is it necessary is what I'm saying? I don't know. No. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's everyone's responsibility that's watching. You know, I watch stuff all the time and I'm like, oh, I could try that, but that is dangerous. You know, it's like... Casey Neistat's video today was uh, his friend Oscar jumping over a, you know, a horse like on a skateboard. He did it ten times till he finally got it, and he fell every time. And every time was like a fall that could have broken elbow or a finger or a knee or a rib. And who's to say? Like, is that person responsible now if a ten-year-old kid goes and does that? I, I honestly don't think so. Yeah. People say, oh, well, like, like for instance, the, this video of Taylor using the drill press. Everyone's like, oh my god, her hair was out. I'm like, you know what? We took three minutes to drill those things. I, it's 100% true. Her hair should have been tied back. But it wasn't, and I got some beautiful shots of her. You know what? It's enough already. I know that. But and then someone's like, you know, you're responsible in case. Like, so a 25-year-old girl is going to go use a drill press with a hair out and say, because she watched Taylor do it. And she's going to get her hair ripped off. I mean, what's the likelihood of that? If she's yeah. near a drill press, she already should be prepped. Like I told Taylor before that, I said, put your head back. She said, shut up. And so she did it herself. She's old enough to do her own thing. <laughs> yeah, I've always kind of thought like, and I don't say this in my videos, but you are responsible for your own safety. And that's just that's just common sense. And about a year and a yeah, half it ago. Yeah, says it in my two, description. Yeah. Two years ago, a year and a half ago, I had my lawyer come on. Um, and I did a whole like 22 minute interview and we'll, we'll post a link. <clears throat> we'll post a link to that down in the show notes, but, uh, his advice, which I haven't really followed was just put a disclaimer on your videos saying, you know, these are, this is a dangerous hobby and you use at your own risk. And I don't know. I, I don't think any of us are in a position to give legal advice. So I just want to <laughs> say on behalf of everybody here, like you are responsible for what you do. Right. <laughs> uh, just use common sense. Uh, so I, yeah, like, like Bob, I don't worry too much about what I'm doing in the videos. My videos are more for entertainment. I, I never really thought about how I word everything. And that was, I, I found that very interesting how you say this is what I did in past tense. That's, that was, that might be. Just don't say advice. anything. Just don't say anything like <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that even matters. That's just yeah. in my head. That's, you know, my approach to it. But 
<clears throat> I don't claim that that actually safeguards me from anything. Yeah. In the context, I talked about this once before, but this young man in Mexico got hurt on a table saw, and he said he was just doing what I did. And he showed me he cut his fingers pretty bad across all four of his fingers. And I said, I explained, we emailed through Facebook. I said, what exactly did you do? And when he explained it to me, I was like, that's not what I did. I said, if you watch my video, I didn't do it that way. You did it. You, you misinterpreted what I did. And, uh, I was using a sled and he tried to do something between the fence and a blade and it got jammed up and kicked back on him. But I was using a sled. And, uh, so I said, I'm very sorry you got hurt. But, you know, I said, if you're going to try and follow my lead, you got to do it accurately. And so. I said, always use a sled if you're going to try and do any kind of specialty. He was trying to do, uh, he was doing finger joints between the blade and the fence. So hmm. hey, he wasn't, he wasn't accusing me. He's just because what did I do wrong is really what he said to me. He goes, I got injured and I just did what you did. And when he explained to me, I was like, you didn't do what I did. I will say though that like it's, it's not relevant to that, what you're just talking about, but that made me think about it is I have modified um, some stuff about how I work in the shop because of comments about safety. Personally, I'm not typically that worried about, um, I, I probably should, but I don't always like wear safety glasses. Um, and I don't always, you know, turn on the dust collector and I don't always do these things. Don't always wear a respirator when I'm spray painting something or whatever. But that stuff has come up enough that the threshold of like, okay, I hear the comment for the thousandth time versus just putting on the respirator. That's modified my behavior a little bit in that I'm far more aware of when I have safety glasses on or not. So now I try to just leave them in places where they're in view so that when I go down to work, I don't have to think about like, I'm filming, I have to put them on. It's just, I do my best just to put them on so that I don't have to think about it anymore. Well, and that's, you know, you that's know like story. setting a good habit, you know, just by by having them there, it's setting up a good habit that hopefully eventually I won't even have to think about it. That's just part of what I do in the shop. I, I was lucky enough where I almost, I, I mean, I've had s- s- few eye injuries in my life, but uh, one in the shop was uh, I cut the white of my eye. And so from that point on, I always wear glasses because I always think of the potential. Because I, I actually had the experience. I was on a construction site and a nail hit me in the eye. But from that, I mean, every single time I think to myself, oh, I'm just going to drill press this quick. I don't. Even, and I just say, to my, there's like a little voice in my head says, go get your glasses, stupid. Mm-hmm. Don't even turn the switch on. Mm-hmm. And then if there's somebody else in the room using anything that could, you know, shoot something off of whatever they're doing, I have my glasses on. And that's just me personally. I, and I, I actually wear reading glasses most of the time. So I have the plastic kind of safety style reading glasses I wear all the time anyway. But if I'm in like a broader area, I also just in someone's grinding or whatever, I always have glasses on. So that's, you know, I think that's important because there's going to be that one thing. Like for instance, I'm using a wire wheel uh, to clean rusty metal and that wire wheel spits off little crooked wires all the time. And I feel them hit me in the face, but I always have my glasses on. And then the other day I was doing it and somebody came near me with no glasses. I said, don't, I could just stand over there until I'm done. Hmm. Because God forbid, you know, you just get one of those shards right into your eyeball and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Or at least yeah, the beginning unf- of something painful. Unfortunately, having little events like that will teach you the lesson that you need to start. You know, mm-hmm. like I had a grinding wheel explode on me, like one of those fiber 
you know, yeah, grinding that discs was dangerous. Exactly. exploded and I didn't have a face shield on. I had glasses on because I was thinking, yeah, I need to have glasses on just in case sparks and stuff. But I wasn't expecting that thing to actually disintegrate and throw chunks. And it did. And they cut my face, you know, and yeah. not, not in a way that was really a big deal, but having a face mask on made it would have made it so that I didn't get damaged at all. You know, mm-hmm. did you um, ever, you guys ever see that, uh, that like uh, famous among the community picture of Lutz with the nail sticking out of his cheek. You ever see that? Mm-mm. Look on his in- Instagram. No. He'll hear this and tweet it. No, thanks. I block everybody <laughs> that sends me bloody pics via Twitter <laughs> or Facebook or email. I don't want to see them. I will block you. Yeah. Lutz got a nail from, I think he was using a table saw and it was just like a, you know, an air, like a 16 gauge air nail that stuck right in his cheek. Yeah, uh, ah. yeah, yeah. Face a face shield is important. I, I, you'll see my new video that I put out in the next couple of days is going to be me uh, taking this slab table with a steel base, and I'm grinding the steel base with a with a burr on the end of a die grinder, and that burr literally cuts the metal like a milling machine and throws little slivers of steel in every direction. They're like everywhere. They're like over my head. They're in my hair. They're in my ears. And the most I could do is wear a face shield. Because even those will navigate around my glasses. So I wear a face shield whenever I do that. And I try my hardest to control where the shavings go. Because they're, they're shavings. They're not, they're not sparks. They're little tiny curly cues of razor sharp metal. Yeah. And there's millions of them. And they're you know, microscopic. But all of a sudden I feel like a sharp pain in my palm. And I got one of those in my palm and I can't even see it. And I got to like dig until the pain goes away. That's how small they are. Here's a quick tip for you older gentlemen out there. Don't clip your ear and nose hairs because that, that will <laughs> filter all those little clips and shavings from getting in, inside your head. <laughs> hmm. I live with someone that constantly yanks them out of my ear while I'm driving. So. <laughs> <laughs> while you're driving? Is that what you said? When, whenever like we'll be online at a cashier and she'll just like yank hair out of my ears. That's amazing. <laughs> because she's like, oh, and this is good light. Yeah, you can see him like, yeah. I'm not allowed to have your hair when you go out with someone that's 20 years younger than you. <laughs> what do you, you guys have any more suggestions for legality? I mean, I, for me personally, I don't really want to give advice because like you said, none of us are qualified to give advice. But um, it's something I'm aware of, but I'm also not like neurotic about. Like mm-hmm. I, I try yeah. not to overthink it. I just try to be reasonable and take the consideration of the, uh, consider the comments that other people bring. Like I don't do everything, every safety thing that somebody brings to the table in the comments. But if I hear you should be wearing glasses enough, I'm like, okay, that's fair enough. I should be wearing glasses or I should be wearing a respirator or whatever. I've changed the way I use the table saw quite a bit based on comments. Um, I do too. I, I won't use a table saw that doesn't have a, like now I'm so used to using the table saw that the, the guys gave me with the, uh, the guard on top with the vacuum. That when that blade is exposed, I have a, a whole different set of cautionary approach because for years I used it without the top guard. Mm. And, and this guard is good on the uh, saw stop because it has the vacuum in it. And I, every single piece of wood that I can cut that I need to cut with the ability to keep that guard in place, I keep it in place now. And, you know, if I got to do a, a half cut or a dado or something, I got to use the, the, the blade without the, the top thing. I'm constantly switching it. But like I said, in the past, even just recently, I did a, a video for the DeWalt video, which should be out soon. Uh, I used that table saw and it came with this whole apparatus 
top guard and I was like, you know what? This isn't a saw stop. Let me put this thing on it. So <laughs> I put the guard on top just to run the boards through. And, you know, it was a little bit of a pain in the butt because they had to go all the way through. I couldn't lift them off the blade. But you know what? I'd rather be safer than sorry. You know, you, you, you triggered something here. One of the biggest things that I get about my saw stop from non-saw stop users is like, I don't want a machine that makes me feel comfortable using and that's I'm ridiculous. Like, and it is absolutely ridiculous. I, I just, I don't know. There's so many people that are against the saw stop or I, and I, I don't know why that is, but they have the, they have these little arguments. It's like, you know, it's, you're just too comfortable around that or, you know, that's not true. most of the I mean, injuries there is, are kickback. There is one and thing. Yes, you're right. Most of the injuries <laughs> are kickback, but when you try to deflect something and your hand, it's the blade. you throw your hand in front of you, you throw it into the blade. So, I, one, I mean, I, this is off topic and we're going in the weeds, but since I have the saw stop, now Taylor uses the table saw. She used to use it and I'd be standing there watching, you know, when hovering. And then anybody that, that comes to my shop who I don't know personally very well and says, hey, can I cut this? I'm like, I'll cut it for you. They're like, no, no, no. I know what I'm doing. And then I would like let them use the saw and I'd be like hanging around making sure that I can carry the hand to this, you know, to an ice box. But now at the saw stop, the other day I had, I had like a, a very temporary intern hanging out with me for a few days and he was using the table saw in the other room and I was like, but he had the guard on and everything. He wasn't using it without the guard. And I was like, it's a saw stop. I shouldn't worry. <laughs> hmm. He used the thing very professionally and nobody got hurt and nothing happened wrong. But there was a little hesitation in me like, I don't know this person very well. Should I let him use a table saw? He seemed like he could handle himself and he proved that he knew what he was doing. But the very first time he flipped that switch on, I thought to myself, eh, eh it's a saw stop. It's one more. <laughs> so, it's one more little insurance policy. It's like yeah, having yeah. any like brakes in your car. Well, if you drive correctly, you you might not have to use them. You know, as long as everybody else is driving correctly too. But that doesn't mean you're not going to need them, right? Mm-hmm. I think people a lot of the not all of it, but a lot of the uh, backlash against SawStop is from a legal principle perspective, which I understand. Okay, I'm not going to comment on that at all. But I think that spills over into SawStop's a bad idea. And no matter what brand it is, whether it's the Bosch or SawStop or whoever else, you know, eventually makes some sort of flesh sensing tool, it's, you're right, it's an extra safety guard that is worth, in my mind, the safety of keeping my fingers is worth whatever principle I am letting go to own that tool. <laughs> you know, I... Everybody make that decision on your own, but I like and there's a, ma- a lot. It's, it's a matter of time now before, say, fast forward 20 years from now. You think people are still going to be making saws, table saws, without that technology in it? I no. mean, the patent will be expired by then, and everyone's going to jump on it. And everyone's got their own version of it now that's developing. You know, the, the next the next hurdle is making a blade that'll shut off, and you can turn back on instantly without having to spend any extra money on fixing it back up. So, you know, every, we're, in, we're, in the, 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 we're in the ballpark, and it's just a matter of making all these things happen. You know, even like a like an angle grind or bandsaw, there's going to be all types of flush sensing stuff. It's going in that direction. Can't stop it. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, because even, you know, having safer tools will cut down on injuries, which will cut down on liability, which is what, how we started talking about this. You know, that will in turn cut down on liability for people who are teaching um, in, the, in the tool companies and everything. So, yeah, hopefully it'll head that direction for everybody's sake. But... Mm-hmm. Perfect way to end that conversation. Good job, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Is it, do we want to go on to, to topic number two? Yeah. Well, we'll keep it brief. All right. So topic number two is working with budgets. And somebody asked us on Twitter, like, hey, do you have a budget per project? I don't have a budget per project. I have my bank account budgets, I which I keep an eye on. And I know that I can't build projects that are too expensive because I need to make a profit on what I'm doing. And I don't do a lot of client work. So my budget is always all over the place. But uh, that doesn't mean that I can just go out and buy $1,000 worth of walnut and make the next thing. So I use that limitation of money to make what I'm doing a little bit more creative. I'm like, hmm, I could do this. I could use less material. I could use this material instead. And so having budgets and having limitations is a great way to be like super creative and forward thinking in, in what you do. I look at it like this now, now that we're creator, we're content creators. And I, I've said this recently, maybe here where I used to do these TV shows and they'd cost tens of thousands, like th- th- hundreds of thousands of dollars for an episode. I got like a little tiny, tiny little crumb from that for my pay, but to, to host and pay for the place we'd work at and the, the crew and the, the, the rental of the cameras, this was a proper television production and they'd spend $250,000 per episode. And when I look back at my 200 movies on my YouTube channel and none of them cost me anything, like literally like to make a movie aside from my time, which whatever is billable hours, which is still nothing. I made all this content with that didn't cost me anything. So when it comes down to like me building this bridge for my upcoming video and I got a truck full of wood and it's $600 worth of oak, I lay it out and I go, you know what? It's going to be something I'm building for myself and my property. And I amortize it backwards over the hundreds of videos that I made that didn't cost me anything. And so I can take a bump like that and be like, I just created all this content in the last five years that cost me zero aside from my time. And uh, so that's how I amortize for my own stuff. And it's in a home improvement because I built this bridge on my property, which now I can go to the back property. Um, but when it comes to client work, I've said it before and I'll say it again, always ask your client how much they want to spend and that's an uncomfortable question to ask and it's an uncomfortable question to answer but it establishes whether this is even worthy of a conversation yeah usually say, they ask you how much does it cost and you have to flip don't that ever back answer. on them. don't answer that don't yeah. answer because <laughs> you know an old uh, an old adage is whoever says the price first loses because <laughs> the other person can be like yes that is so much less than i wanted to spend yeah or you know so whoever says the first price loses. So that's why you always ask your client, what's the budget? And they go, well, I don't know. Well, what's it going to cost? And then, then you got to hit, if they force you to hit them with something, you got to say, well, I charge this many thousands of dollars per day and it's going to take five days. So it's going to cost you $25,000. And they go, what? That's crazy. I only wanted to spend 800. And then you go, it was really nice to meet you. that's obviously extreme but you know you got to find out what ballpark you're in if you're both in the same price range and then it's workable if you're completely you know people come to me all the time like my buddies come to me the other day and he's like he wants me to make this restaurant a frame that he could write he's a he's a manager at a restaurant he wants a chalkboard that says tonight specials or whatever happy hour and he goes oh the ones from the restaurant district always break People kick them and they knock over. And I said, well, unless you're willing to spend $1,000 on one, I said, why are you asking me? He's like, oh, come on. I go, dude, I make 
I, I have like real client work. I'm not going to sit. Like, you can go buy five of them for the amount of money I charge you for one and just replace it every three months when people kick them and break them. And so I was just, I said, why, why are you asking me to make this? Or when people send me an email, they're like, I've looked around to buy this thing for my husband and they're so expensive. Could you make one? <laughs> of course I can sure. make one, but I'd charge you five times what you'd buy it from on Amazon. Like, why are you asking yeah. me? Yeah. I have a yeah. million things to do in my life. So it's, uh, you know, you just got to find out if you're in the same ballpark. I said to my friend, and then after, you know, it's funny. I talked to my friend about this A-frame thing and I was like, it went from being a thousand dollars because I don't like the guy that he works for. That was why it was a thousand dollars to me going, you know what? Maybe I can make a video of that. I'm like, what do you need? How big does it have to be? <laughs> I'll make it for free now. <laughs> it does help. I need content. We, yeah. It does help that we need content. And yeah. <laughs> I always use that as, oh, that's a reason for me to spend this money on this wood because yeah. I need to make a video. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. You know, that's why I talk about this this money because it's content. It's 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 production budget is really how you should look at yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's the now, way I look at. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no no! I was just gonna say now I'm gonna be building a few things. Um, I'm working. I don't want to announce it yet until I'm like I have a video to post because I don't want to be. Uh, uh, I just I'll wait to say who, but I'm working for somebody and I'm gonna make five or six videos for them. And now I'm asking all my friends. I'm like, do you need anything for your apartment? You need, uh, what's it going to cost you? I'm like, don't worry, I'll, I'll pay for everything. <laughs> I just want to have good, legitimate builds that aren't just going to populate my workshop. Your email's going to blow up now. <laughs> no, this yeah. is just close personal friends. So they never listen to any of this stuff. They always like, oh, you have a podcast? <laughs> yeah. What's a podcast? <laughs> yeah. What you? What do you have to talk about? <laughs> I always figure it out every week. So, uh, so no, that's just the you know, budget is the cost of production. Yeah, that's the way I look at everything I spend for the business is it's reinvestment. You know, it's it's production cost individually for videos, but then also just how do I make videos in general better? Or like what's a tool that I can, whether it's a video or audio or workshop tool that I can bring to make everything going forward a step up, you know? And that's very different than if you're making furniture or you're making you know, craft show items or whatever it is you make that you want to sell. Budgeting there takes on an entirely different life. Yes, you do have to budget for tools over time and maintenance and stuff like that. But um, the the cost of materials factors a much bigger part into what you're doing because you have to balance that against what you're selling and how much you're selling them for and how many you can sell and how fast you can produce. So there's a bunch of other things there that at least I, but I think all three of us don't really have to deal with so much anymore. Um, I don't really make anything for anybody. And if I do, it's a gift or it's something that I know they need. So there's, you know, there's no time constraint. There's no sale price. Um, and so I look at everything, all the money that I put into it as just reinvesting in growth. Mm -hmm. Now you will notice that through most of my videos, I use plywood and that's because I also have to, if I do think about budgeting, I think about, well, where am I going to be able to put the most money into this project that I'm going to be able to reuse or I'm going to be able to get that money back? And so, like, if I'm looking at a month's worth of projects and I'm going to, I have whatever, $1,000 to put into tools and materials and whatever, that's just a random number, by the way. Um, I think about, like, well, I could spend a whole lot of money on walnut or I could spend a quarter of that money on plywood and then take that three quarters that I didn't spend 
and invested into some electronics components that I can use in multiple projects and take out and reuse, you know, or I could put it into some other material that I don't have or whatever. So a lot of the stuff that I do, the materials are not high grade materials, but that's because I know that that particular video doesn't require it. And, um, the money is better invested for me in something that I can use in more videos. So I end up spending the majority of my budgets on camera gear and electronics and things like that, that are, uh, more, have like a longer life to mm-hmm. them rather than single project material cost. Yeah. But, but it's different for everybody. You know, it depends on, on what you have to invest how you're going to reinvest it. Or if you're not, or it's, it's really different for everybody. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like, uh, you know, Dave and, and Tim to some extent, uh, Dave Welder and Tim Sway, uh, like to recycle stuff, of course, which is great. And I do too. When, when the opportunity's right. Um, but you don't need to spend money on anything to have like good content. For instance, like yeah. one of one of my favorite videos that Dave ever made, which was like so sweet and beautiful, and uh, he says he wants to remake it because it didn't get the attention it deserved. Is uh, he found an umbrella in the subway and made it into a kite with his brother? I thought that was like hmm. one of the most amazing videos uh, as a concept, and he did a beautiful job at the, that. But um, you know, so we talk about budgets, but you don't need to spend a dime at the end of the day to make good content if you got a good concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even a good product. I mean, content, yes, I totally agree with you. But even, you know, uh, we've talked about pallet wood and reclaimed wood and stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of material out there that it may not be like beautiful hardwoods, but there's a lot of material out there that you can get for cheap or free that you can use to make whatever you want to make. So don't forget about free tools, use tools, hand-me-downs, all that. Pick my garbage. You get yeah, good stuff. pick Jimmy's garbage. <laughs> Go break into Jimmy's house. There's tons of tools. Just take what you want. I leave them by the edge of the driveway. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, cool. anything else on budgets? We're good. Just, I said, like I said, just remember, I said it before, I said it again. Always ask how much they want to spend. And mm-hmm. don't get nervous because it's just a negotiation. It's like when you go on a date with somebody. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, you know? So people are always very nervous about how to price things. Just ask that, how much they want to spend. And, you know, if you're in your mind, you're like, that's not worth my time. Just say, thank you. I can't do it. The same applies, not that we're going to start talking about YouTube stuff, you know, specifically, but the same thing applies for sponsorships. I know a lot of channels are growing and getting bigger and they're starting to get their first sponsorships. The same mm-hmm. concept applies. I mean, it's yep. the same, exact same thing. So don't go in with... You know, the the number. Don't go in and say the number that you think they might go for. That's not the way you do it, and that's not the way you do it with custom furniture or anything else either. Do exactly yeah. what Jimmy's saying. But. And then when someone a content when a when a when an advertiser approaches you to the young channels and they say we're going to give you X, give them a day. Just like like when you meet a girl for the first time, you don't call right away. You wait a day, wait a day or two, and then call back and tell them you want twice what they asked for. <laughs> We should do a whole show on on uh, <laughs> tactics. Yeah, yeah. and then they're going to come back and give you. They'll say, "We can't give you that, but we can give you this." And you'll be like, "Oh my god, I didn't even expect them to say, call me back." Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. cool. Well, um, what have you guys been watching? But Jimmy just brought him up, and I'm going to bring him up again, and that is Tim Sway. He put hmm. out a video. It was either today or yesterday uh, on. Um, 
a straight edge uh, uh, sled for the table saw. Oh, and yeah, with the rubber padding. With the rubber pad, which is brilliant. Awesome job, Tim. And the funny thing is, uh, I just built a sled for straight edges and filmed it. It's different than his, and mine's for a bigger boards, and it's going to be, and it's a sponsored video for Micro Jig, and it's using their things, uh, their the jig that's made for this. But mine's going to be a little bit different, and Tim's was fantastic. It was a brilliant execution of um uh like this was the first version and the second version is the one one that made it so it was really cool to see his thought process on that yeah that's cool i watched that well i got you guys know i talked about it and it's been one of my vlogs i i got a, a torchmate 440 4x4 steel plasma cnc table and yesterday me and willie uncrated it and i got it into the edge of one of my containers and that's where it's going to live until I have a building to put it in. We have just enough room to work around it. It fills up the whole end of the container. And I'm, uh, I set it up and I'm getting it set up. And so since yesterday, I watched like 30 Torchmate videos. And I'm looking for that one video that says exactly what I need to know. And I can't find it. Mm. So I emailed them and sent them pictures. So hopefully they'll answer me back. But absorbing all this information is... I, I, it's, I, it's like the Chinese water torch. You can't help but do something ultimately. So... I don't mind watching all this extra extraneous content about something new, like Fusion. We were all talking about Fusion 360, and you know I'm watching a lot of that stuff as well. And uh, so, Torchmate, and the next thing's going to be my Tormach. So, I'm, I'm, uh, can I just say one thing on, on those two things that it's recently I talked about? I'm going to have this plasma CNC table and this Tormach CNC machining tool, and I really feel like the potential is like incredible i can't wait to get these i just unfortunately don't have like the perfect placement for them i'm going to set them up temporarily where i can but until i have like a bigger spot to have everything under one roof but i feel it's amazing in this time and place where now i could watch youtube for a couple of weeks figure out how to use these tools maybe ask help from a, a viewer or two in the area who knows how to do these things and get up and running and like literally start a whole new career like i could take these two machines mm. and start a whole new business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the computer's doing all the work, Jimmy. You're not a That's craftsman. That's fine. I'm old. Hurt. I'm getting old, man. I'm, my bones hurt. My <laughs> knees hurt. My elbows hurt. My eyes hurt. So I let the computer do all the heavy lifting. I don't care. I like that attitude. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just talking about my – this is just my own personal excitement about like living mm -hmm. in this era where like, you know, Matt Cremona can just like open up YouTube and build a bandsaw, you know, and like just watch YouTube videos and build a bandsaw machine that – you know, 15 years ago, you would have been like, oh, my God, one of these days when I get near the ability to even see one of these machines up close. And now you got guys like Matt Cremona just like making them himself because he's developing the confidence and, you know, the chutzpah to just go and do it. So that's all. Cool. That's it. Um, well, for me, so mine's a little different this week. Uh, it's a movie. And it's a movie that... I would kind of imagine the two of you would have zero interest in, but I challenge you to watch <laughs> it. Uh, it's called, no, no, it's called oh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Have you heard of this movie? No. I saw it. Okay. It's, uh, you didn't see it. <laughs> you don't watch movies. <laughs> um, it's, it's one that uh, came out a while ago, and it's not necessarily a kid's movie, but I watched it with my kids last night. And it's 
made by Leica, the company that did Coraline and Box Trolls and a few other things. But Leica's thing is that they do stop motion. And so everything is physical. Well, not everything, like the backgrounds, I guess, aren't. But most of the, the foreground motion is physical stop motion. And it's unbelievable. You watch this movie and you're, I'm constantly looking at scenes going, there's no way. There's no way that's not a computer because it's just mind-blowing. Mm. And it's a beautiful movie. And so I, I would suggest you guys, you know, find a way to maybe, maybe for free sometime. But, you know, find a way to watch it because it is just a gorgeous What's it called? Movie, again? and then when you Kubo C uh, K U B O and the two strings. Okay, and you know, watch it from like a technical perspective. I mean, it's a good story. It's beautifully written and all that stuff as well. But you know, when you're watching it, just think about the fact that this all stop motion and it's kind of mind blowing. So check it out. Is it available Print. like on iTunes or something? Uh, it just came out on video, so I I don't even know if you can rent it yet. We ended up buying it on Amazon, but. You may be able to. I'm not really sure if you can run it. But it's very good. I would suggest it. And at the end of it, in the credits, they show... I would imagine if you buy it on disc, you probably get like some behind-the-scenes stuff to where you can see the process. Um, but in the at the end of the credits, they have this one scene from the movie that they show the... They like zoom out of it, and they show the studio that they're shooting this thing in. And you get the scale of how big this set is that they made... And it's this giant skeleton with swords sticking out of its head. Um, and in the movie, you have no concept of how big this thing is. But in the when they zoom out of this, you see that the sculpture of this skeleton is like probably 10 feet tall or something. Wow. It's way bigger than the people who are actually working on it. It just, you know, gives you a perspective on how much work. One, one of my time. favorite movies, and I used, to, I used to show it to my students all the time. I'd actually make them watch like an hour of it, is The Nightmare Before Christmas DVD. And it oh, shows yeah. the behind the scenes. Do you guys ever watch that? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the behind the scenes. Oh, it's in, it's it's all. I mean, as old as that movie is, I was watching it around that time. But that behind the scenes making of the movie is just an incredible technical know how and ed- education. If you've never seen it, you should really take the time to watch it as a maker. This covers seven hundred different disciplines. Yeah, a friend of mine used to work at Leica, um, and he was a designer, and he posted a picture one time because when they make these movies with stop motion, they will make a miniature head of every, or maybe I think it's every one. Anyway, they make a head with every version of the face that they can make. And so they have this room with all these heads just stacked up everywhere. So then when they go to animate, they just swap out the head. They get, you know, the progression of a, from a straight mouth to a smile or whatever. And so he posted this picture of this room with all of these heads of this one particular character. And when you see something like that, you're like, wow, there's a huge amount of work. Cause that's all for one face of one character in a yeah. movie full of characters and full of environments and full of, you know, stuff's mind blowing to me, but <laughs> good movie too. So go check it out. Yeah. Um, all right. Got to thank our Patreon supporters real quick. Um, who I will have to say are making a lot of the stuff that we're doing in Boston possible. So big thanks for that. Um, especially make build modify and Luis Gonzalez. Uh, but everybody over there is it's helpful. We really appreciate the support. Um, if you want to help us out, go to patreoncom slash making it. And I guess that's it for this week. Unless you guys got anything else. Oh, I'm going to be at Rochester make a fair. 
Saturday the 19th. I think that's the day after the day this airs. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll be hanging out there with those guys. Jesse and uh, Rory Mays coming. And that weekend, Chopper Chris is going to come hang out at the Rochester Fair, and then he's going to come to my house, and we're going to shoot some stuff in my farmhouse. He's driving over from Indiana. Cool. Well, uh, that's it for this week then, guys. Thanks for listening. All right. See you later. Later. So funny. At the end of every episode, these two guys just stare at me and wait for me to say I love you. <laughs> it's like it's like trying to get off the phone with a girlfriend. You're like, uh, all right, I'll see ya. you. You go right. first. You hang no, up first. You, no, you say you, goodbye first. Then you say I love you first.